So my name's Poppy Reed. I'm from the Bragg Media back in Australia. We've got a couple of publications under our title. We've got, I don't know if you've heard of them, we've got Tone Deaf, The Industry Observer, a couple of others, but you would have heard of our new one, Rolling Stone Australia. We're super excited to be working on that one. And so welcome to the Winner's Circle, where we've got two of last night's winners here with us to take us through their songwriting successes and insights and Thank you too so much for getting up early and joining us and thank you to all of you for getting up early and joining us here. So I'll introduce you both. We are very fortunate to have with us Jed Kurzel, who won the Overseas Recognition Award last night. So he's a founding member of the Mess Hall, but now he's more of a screen composer. He won the 2011 Feature Film Score of the Year for Snowtown at the Screen Music Awards. He's composed music and scores for Assassin's Creed, Alien Covenant, and recently collaborated with his filmmaker brother, Justin Kurzel on the music for the true history of the Kelly Gang. And we also have with us Katie Dunstan, AKA Cloves, who of course was our Breakthrough Songwriter Award winner last night. So Cloves' song, Everybody's Son, featured in The Vampire Diaries. Amazing. She's performed at Coachella and Lollapalooza. And following the release of her debut album, One Big Nothing, she performed on Late Night with Seth Meyers. And she's toured through Europe and is continually featured on top playlists on the major streaming services. (laughs) Jed, I wanted to start. You seemed surprised by your win last night. Why? Because I'm always surprised if I win. <laughs> Very modest. Isn't everyone? No. <laughs> okay. And Katie, congratulations. How are you feeling after your win? I feel really good. I feel a little bit hungover. There's a few but... of us that are hungover here as well. So you're in good company. Okay, perfect. And I was saying to her before, I said, I think I would be a little bit, not annoyed, but surprised if you weren't hungover because you have to celebrate something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Breakthrough Songwriter of the Year, London, amazing. So I thought I would start by having... Both of you tell us about your last songwriting or composing session. Who were you with, if anyone? What was it like? What did you learn from it? Jed, do you want to start? God, what was the last one? I think the last one was here, actually. In the studio? Uh, Not in this, in the main one in there, yeah. Cool. Yeah, for a film called Seaberg. Uh, Yeah, it was a quintet and a couple of horns and yeah i mean i hadn't hadn't recorded here and it was it was fantastic i mean i had i was aware of the history of this place as well but yeah i mean usually kind of we go in i'm going to write everything and then go in and record it and sort of do it all in a day and it's sort of the collaboration part happens with other musicians really quickly if that's if if it's if it's been recorded like that with particular strings or I don't, yeah, I mean, that's... that's Has that process been interesting for you going from performing, recording with a band to now doing it on screen and in a studio as well? Yeah. I mean, I came over here and I came over here, I didn't really know any of the orchestras or anyone. I mean, I hadn't hadn't met anyone. I I was doing a film here with my brother, which was called, which was Macbeth. And then I was doing it. And then I got another film while I was here, while I was doing that. And so I was introduced to... Through meeting sort of certain people around here, I was introduced to other people and then and then started this collaboration with the London Contemporary Orchestra here who, you know, they'd done, the, you know, they do all the stuff for Johnny Greenwood and the like and have been really fortunate to have started this relationship with them for the last five or six years. That's been pretty incredible. So whenever I kind of do any scores, I, I can go to them and... And through them, kind of got to know more and more people over here, and yeah, it's it's kind of become home. 
I'm going to ask you to go a bit deeper into your move to London and how you sort of fell into screen composing. But first, I wanted to ask you, Katie, tell me about your last songwriting session. Was it a co-write? Where were you? I mean, I've just finished working on my next record. It's finished? It's finished. That's really exciting. It's exciting because yeah. the first one I took like way too long working on. So this one I've kind of like condensed it and tried to really like make music just for how I feel right now rather than trying to be so like ridiculous All and meticulous yeah, yeah, and like stressful. Wait, um, how long's too long to work on an album? I feel like three years is too long. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's long. Because um, also, like, you just change so much. Like, especially for me, my first record, I started writing when I was, like, 18. And now I'm 24 as of, like, last week. I'm like, Pisces. Mm-hmm. So an emotional wreck. But, yeah, so for me, it's just, like, I changed. I became, like, so many different people in that time that, like, it's just it's a bit drawn out to write a record for three years yeah I mean this this record I've been working with two guys on or two two or three guys and yeah we've just kind of been like all over the place we've been doing a lot writing in LA and then also we've actually been working up the road in Abbey Road as well which has been like amazing amazing. yeah the guy there's really sweet and he gave like my parents came over here for Christmas and he gave them like a tour of the studio and they were like wow that's cool yeah it was really sick but it just depends. I mean, for me, I like collaborating with people because I find it the most like inspiring and like spontaneous for ideas, and you can really like bounce off each other, and it keeps like the energy in the room really high. And it's just like really fun to be able to be like, this idea is fucking sick. With someone <laughs> like it gets you really hyped, and um, yeah. So, who are the two collaborators? Um, there's a guy a called out? Coffee and a guy called Detonate, and also I've been working with a guy called Hudson Mohawk as well, who's he's sick too. Yeah, so it's going to be good. The guys are, like, super talented. They're, like, just, like, little scientists. It's crazy. Amazing. Was the plan to do the whole record with them, or did you get in a room and go, you know what, we're vibing, let's keep going? No, it was weird. Like, I did a session with a guy with Nat, and basically we were in with another writer, and then we kind of just got on really well, and then we wrote a couple songs together, and then coffee came to my show and he saw my show and then we got on it's, it's always kind of like for me it's always about like chemistry and like just hanging out and it, we normally write a song on the first day and then you just like okay cool we write together really amazing really well, yeah. but it, it doesn't always pan out that way does it I mean I'm sure there's a lot of songwriters in this room where they've gone into sessions or they've booked something or met with someone that they're planning to write with and they just the vibe wasn't there have you had that before oh my god yeah so much I think also it's kind of like it's almost like dating do you know mm. what I mean like you go I've on a date a lot. I've yeah because also yeah. you've got to be like really vulnerable with people when you write otherwise you're just kind of not writing anything that you really care about so I think it's like speed dating you go to one day and you're like okay it's going well <laughs> and you're like no we'll write a whole album you know, um, yeah, so it's definitely, like, about chemistry. And, and it's also, like, I feel like when you write with people, you're coming together of, like, two piles of your influences and, like, your, like, um, musical, I don't know, vocabulary in your head, you know what I mean? So all the things you've ever heard and all the things they've ever heard are coming together into one room and then they kind of mash or they don't, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Jed, have you ever had that where you've been in a writing writer's room and you just haven't vibed with the musicians that you're there with? And if so, what's your tactic? What do you do? I I mean, it's, when things aren't working, it's awful because you just, time's ticking away and, you know, and, and, and it's hard to, it's hard to, when I mean, you have to be honest with people when things aren't working just so you can move, move forward. But I mean, I th- think about it just from playing in bands is that, 
some people you get into a room with and just it just clicks whether you know each other or not. It just mm-hmm. happens and it's, it's nothing you can kind of describe. It's just some people just play well together and, and suit each other and play with other people and it's just like, you know, in the first five minutes, so this isn't working. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. We're just not, yeah, it's not. And I, I, I don't actually know what that is, but I think it's the kind of wonderful thing about music is that it's, it sort of lives up here. It's not a... It's, the more you analyse it, the worse it gets, I, kind mm. of, I find. It's a good thing about London too is like if it's not working, you can go to a pub at any hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, you just, you're just nice. like, let's go to the pub. You'll try and like yeah. take some time away. Because maybe the, the difference is that you don't know each other that well and you're not comfortable and open yet yeah. and you need a bit of a drink or lunch together to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a chat. Yeah. And no pressure yeah. as well. So Jed, I know you said that you can't really analyze the songwriting process, but can we? <laughs> can you can you can you take us through a bit of your process, especially when it comes to screenwriting? What how does it start for you? Well, it's it's kind of weird. It starts the same way every time, which is like I I, I don't have any idea what to do and this will be the last thing I'll ever do and <laughs> and yeah, and then kind of get to the end and with a sort of body of work. I don't know, it can be, I mean, I get, I get the picture maybe halfway through the editing process and start working with the director and the editor and I don't know, you just kind of respond to what's in front of you. Sometimes it's just the, the landscape or the tone of the picture or might be some perf- performance that really sort of starts grabbing you and you just kind of start. It's the hardest kind of thing. It's just pushing the boat out. But. And do you have audio on when you do that? Do you have the dialogue running if there is dialogue? Yep. Yeah, sometimes I have it on, sometimes I have it off. Sometimes I just sit there and let the film play and kind of just mess around. It's a weird thing. It's like you can sit in there for 12 hours sometimes and come out with nothing. And then other days you can sit in there for five minutes and kind of get a whole idea that pretty much sort of nuts out the, you know, a quarter of the film. Well, that's like what you were saying. It's kind of this thing that's sitting up in the air and sometimes it'll come through you and sometimes it won't. Yeah, well, that's the kind of... I think that's the thing about songwriting or about anything is that music's... A, I mean, in terms of film, it's the, it's a strange process because you know something's got to be finished or it's got to be done. Unlike other jobs where you can kind of have a checklist of things you need to do to finish a job, whereas mm-hmm. music's kind of like... It, it doesn't exist. Like, what you're doing and you're about to embark on doesn't exist, you've got to kind of make that up. Mm. So that's the, mm. that's the difficult part of it is that when I'm doing a film, it's usually kind of hovering around overhead all day, kind of, is it going to come? Or I mean, I'm sure it's, it's the same with songwriting. It's like, you know, the kind of good ones are there somewhere, but, but you, gotta like you kind of worry one day that you're never going to get What's your process then like, Katie, to make sure that it, does come through how do you start when you especially working on this last album of yours what was the process for most of the songs I feel like my first album was harder because I had less of a like concept if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so the first record was really for me just like almost like learning how to write songs and like learning about arrangement and like what are all these things that I like how do you put something together like what's the materials Mm. for the this next record that's coming out it was very like thematic for me, it was very much like, okay, like this is kind of the tone of the record. This is like the texture of the record. And then everything's kind of been written around that. So it, it was almost easier because there was like a, like a solid foundation of an idea. Mm. So that was like something to work towards, almost like having a picture. So you can kind of see like the tone and then you can like add to the tone, if that makes sense. But yeah, I think 
I think it's just about trying to not like get too much in your own head as well, because you can really like stop yourself from writing by being like, I'm obviously shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like you can really be like, oh no, and then it like kind of becomes a bit of a a spiral. So you really have to like almost learn to be like, it doesn't matter if it's shit. It's just we're gonna like see where we go, sort of thing. Yeah, because um, you can always exit, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can always jump off the train. Yeah. You know, get and off do the you do stop. that, or do you finish songs and then? Exit, or do you go, this isn't working halfway through and then move on? Move on, yeah. for sure. Like, yeah. quick, quick as well. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like if you dwell and you really, like, dig into an idea and you're like, I know I don't like it, but I'm just trying to write something, then you're just going to build more negativity for yourself rather yeah. than just being like, it's just not a good idea. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. You know, it'll work out. I also just really want to ask you about the theme of this next album. Are you allowed to reveal it yet? Yeah, it's called, um, <laughs> it's called Nightmare on Elmfield Road. And we, like, wrote a lot of the record on Elmfield Road, but also it's kind of like a play on Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's all, it's just very, like, it's just quite, like, dark and creepy and weird. Oh. So, but also kind of fun. So it's going to be good. Cool, excited. Yeah. Okay. So would you say that the songs on Nightmare on Elmfield Road, uh, Elmfield? Elmfield, Elmfield, yeah. Elmfield Road, are autobiographical? Do your stories come into it? Oh, all the time. It's, like, consistently that. Yeah. But it's very, like, pickpocketed as, as to, like, different moments and themes, especially this record. Like, a lot of the titles are very, like, dead, manic. Like, it's very much, like, a kind of, like, concept. Mm. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So a little while ago, it was a few years ago, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, Dean Ormston, the CEO of Apra Amcos, I was chatting to him, and he had just come back or he was going again to... Uh, Parliament, because he does a lot of lobbying with government for the songwriters across Australia and New Zealand. And he told me that the best way to explain to them about how important artists and songwriters' royalties are was to say that it's like their super fund. It's kind of this retirement fund. It's so important. And I know that um, a lot of songwriters, you know, they don't have a salary. They, they are living from check to check. And that check to check could be years apart or months apart or days apart or weeks apart and I wondered if you had any advice for the songwriters in the room about budgeting and how you did that and how you were able to live as a songwriter. I think it's really hard because you're like constantly working off like capital which is always like really difficult because you're constantly trying and it's really stressful as well because like not having like a consistent knowledge of like the money that you're going to make gives you like anxiety of like, well, right now I've got this, but like in a month from now, I'm going to be like, fuck, like my rent, I need this. Da, 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 da. Mm. And I think it's all about just, I don't know. I mean, money is like a, everyone hates money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And loves it at the same time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I think for me, it's more about just like really keeping your head down, working really hard and just kind of believing in yourself and then just trying to like pick up as you go and just, pull from everywhere, try to keep it savvy. Mm. I don't know. Do you budget? Do you do, do you have an Excel sheet anywhere or anything like that? <laughs> I have an app on my phone. Yeah, good. It's really good. What's it, like, the app called? I don't know. I'll, I'll get it for you. Yeah, cool. But it's really good. It keeps like all your little things together and stuff, which is yeah. handy. And it tells you, so you say like, I've spent this much money on this and then it tells you yeah, yeah, how yeah. much you have left and you can't spend any more money on that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Monzo is great. 
by the yeah. way. So okay. amazing. You've got like, oh, look, I'm not, not sponsored. No, but it's good for songwriters <laughs> to have these kind of tools. As yeah. Well. And it's yeah. really good for traveling as well. Cause also like the Australian, this is, this might be boring, but the Australian currency rate is so bad all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. It's like a really good travel card. So you can put your money onto the travel card and then it stays in that currency. And then you're not like constantly like oh, losing good. money everywhere. You locked, yeah, yeah, you you locked like, that rate or whatever. The currency, yeah. yeah. Which is good. But yeah. Jed? What was the question? <laughs> it's about I had I money and I started it. falling I, I, asleep. I guess. <laughs> All right, maybe it's not the perfect question for you, but if you were to give advice to songwriters on how to, you know, stay stay okay. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I from when I was in playing the bands. I mean, I, all I remember was it was difficult to kind of if it was a you sort of backed into a corner because you were touring. So you couldn't work, but then you were recording off your own kind of money. And it was just, yeah, it's just this kind of never ending, exactly what you were saying, just a, a kind of juggling act that, yeah, that is so much about kind of looking, looking towards the future. It's, but it's always kind of like the immediate future. It's like that's, that's all you're kind of covering. So mm. I think what you're saying about APRA being, those royalties being like a super fun, it's, it's absolutely correct. <laughs> Year Later is presented by APRA AMCOS, a key business partner both locally and globally to over 100,000 Australian and New Zealand songwriters and publishers. With reps and creative spaces in LA, Nashville and London, APRA AMCOS travels with its members. Whether you've relocated or it's just a flying visit, APRA AMCOS can provide space to members and their teams on a short-term basis in a fantastic location. Go to apraamcos.com.au for more info. Tell me about both of your moves to London. Why did you move? When did you move? And how long did it take you to feel like you had a career here? Oh, well, my kind of, what, what happened with me was weird. I mean, it was just, I, I, my brother was making a film and I'd been doing a whole bunch of music outside of the band and we'd just finished a, a tour and I was just sort of exhausted from it all and and I wanted to stay home and uh, he'd made this film and, and I'd been sort of doing music at home that was very different to what I'd done in the band and it was more kind of cinematic. And he was like, you just try some, some stuff over this and see if it works. And it did. And then I, I literally thought I would do that film, Snowtown, and that would be it. Like I'd going to go back to whatever hell I was doing. And that film just kind of went everywhere all over the world. And I sort of went to a few festivals and then... Yeah, I just started getting calls and I got more film, did, started doing more films. Yeah, it's like, and it was sort of weird things. Like then I remembered like the Babadook, like I remember that, like I did that and it was, you know, like that's a small, I thought, oh, this is just because of this little horror film in Australia. And again, that kind of just, see, I mean, you don't know, you absolutely don't know what's, what's going to happen with half of these things. The films that you think are going to be really bigger don't end up being the ones that you kind of think are going to be like a, sort of small indie thing can kind of blow up. So it's a, I then <clears throat> came over to do Macbeth and Slow West and I was still living in Australia and I was coming back and forth and I lived over here for four or five months doing those scores and I was just kind of sick and tired of all the travelling and then kind of went into Assassin's Creed and I just moved, I just moved over here to do that and I thought that was going to be a year 
And just as that finished, Ridley Scott called and then that was sort of it. <laughs> it, was <kind> of like, <laughs> it was so, yeah, and then I, I kind of jumped straight onto Alien and, 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 I, and I had to stay, I had to be a resident here to do it. So I had to kind of juggle visas and things like that to, to stay. So that was kind of the, I think that's probably what kind of cemented, cemented me here. When Ridley Scott calls, you answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. And what about you, Katie? Do you, what was your move like and when did you move? I think, I mean, I moved about five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And at the start, it was hard. I think, like, whenever you move anywhere, you don't have any friends. So you've got no one to do anything with and you feel really lonely and everything's dark and cloudy and sad. But I think you just kind of, like, I don't know, you just sort of have to, I don't know, I've always just kind of, maintained the idea that hopefully everything will work out that's kind of my like life motto is I just really just hope it works out lots of hope that's Um, good yeah because I think I think especially like in this industry it's like there's no that you can't really learn like it's not a map do you know what I mean you don't you can't really understand it for like there's no format so you can't look at another songwriter and go well they did that and they lived in this area and then they met this guy so that that worked out I'll do that exactly so you're constantly just like surviving on the fact that you hope it works out but that's kind of like life I guess in general Mm. yeah so I think for me the my move was just like on the basis of like I'm just gonna give it my best shot sort of thing you know Worked out all right, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Jed, I'm interested to know, as for any screen composers or aspiring screen composers in the room, what level of musicianship do you think that you need to be a screen composer? Do you need to know how to read sheet music? Do you need to know all the chords? Do you need to be a multi-instrumentalist? No, well, I think technology has allowed, you know, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of composers that, would say the same thing that it's technology's kind of allowed you to do it be be so mobile doing it firstly you can do it anywhere now like as long as you've as long as you've got a laptop and i i don't think i mean i I always kind of think it's about the ideas that you have rather than how well or how you know fast you can play or something (laughs) like that it's not it's not about that at all it's just like a really if you have a really great idea and it suits suits what what the film is or then that trumps everything so um so if you could imagine it that's the key it's kind of comes from your head. yeah just sort of having i mean i think it's it's like anything it's like if you do if if you do something i, I always kind of think the most the, the original things are you're always sort of doing them and you're half terrified of it because you're kind of thinking this doesn't feel like anything else and on the other side, I think you're kind of really, really excited by it. And I, I always kind of find that that's the place that you want to get to every every time to get something kind of interesting because otherwise it's sort of, I don't know, sort of sound, starts sounding the same. So you have to push yourself outside your comfort zone. When you're uncomfortable, that's when the good ideas are coming? Yeah, and I think, like, I'm a huge believer in, like, failing. Like, I think, like, failing massively mm. when you're doing stuff is like a really great thing because you're one step closer to the win <laughs> no, no it's like big mistakes when you're doing something always end up being amazing like like you're kind of doing something and then you go oh bottom and then you go well, that and then you kind of that becomes a whole other idea and just a way more interesting idea and i always and from since i've started when we we're in the band it was it was like just having an ear out for 
not trying to make it happen, but just h- hoping you'll like really stuff up. <laughs> Did that happen in the Babadook at all? Because there's a lot of parts in there that are really... I don't know, it kind of hits you. Well, that, it's shocking. I did that in Australia and I was at a studio out in the back of my house. Well, it's just a little room. And there was a tree over the top of the, the room and there were a bunch of possums living up there. And I, used to, I would be kind of in there at 2 o'clock in the morning kind of doing this kind of horror film. <laughs> and these, Not creepy these at all. possums would jump onto the roof. So it's like oh I, the whole time I was doing that, it felt like people were throwing dead bodies onto the, <laughs> onto the roof. But the one thing I'd do is like, this is, I mean, again, kind of like listening out for mistakes. I would go outside. So I'd turn all the music I was doing up and go outside and just sit, you know, at midnight and listen to it, but listen to it with all the... Everything else that was going on, like particularly Australia's wildlife, so loud and kind of interesting, that there was always interesting sounds going on, and usually something would kind of gel, and I'd go, "Okay, I'm going to go back inside and try and make that wow. <laughs> make that sound." So, like, just things like things like that, and that ended up becoming a really kind of huge part of that film, you know. And also, my my daughter was three years old at that point. And I had a microphone in the room and she ran in one day and just kind of sang for 20 seconds. And I kind of went, what was that? (laughs) And I took that 20 seconds and and kind of that became a massive part of the the score as well because I then started chopping it up and making all these kind of loops and delays and stuff and trying to make her sound like this kind of crazy sort of, you know, choir from the kind of out that from the, yeah so all those kind of things I think are like it's we can get so kind of caught up in what's right in front of me and these are the notes and whatever and miss all the other stuff that's going on which which can be just as interesting that's incredible that you said that because Joel Little from New Zealand told a story about how he was working on um, a broods record and his daughter, who was five at the time, came in and was like, you need to listen to this. And she sang a little bit and they ended up using it. There's a melody, yeah. Well, yeah. Kids, kids do that too. I mean, like, they, they have the best melodies ever because yeah. <laughs> they don't think. Katie, have you got any nieces and nephews you can bring in the studio? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I need a possum. <laughs> you need a possum? Yeah. You need a possum? You need a child? <laughs> uh, so the, I think the really interesting thing about you both is that you've made a career as Australian artists, composers, songwriters on the whole other side of the world here in London. And I wanted to ask you, how important is it to learn the idiosyncrasies of a culture? How important is it for you to understand how the music industry works in London, in the UK, and the culture of the UK? Is that something that's helped you? Did you Were you conscious of that? Did you need it? I would say I think it's always important to like soak in where you are and just have respect for, for, for where you are, I think. Is it different here, like in, in terms of the Australian music industry to the UK industry? Music industry-wise, I would say, yeah, a little. I would say a little. Yeah, I'm not sure. Jed, what do you think? I think you immediately feel a, a little more connected with, I mean, obviously things are going on in Europe, but even in the States, because, I mean, a lot of meetings and things tend to, I mean, in the film industry, it tends to, there's a lot of stuff going on here so you kind of feel plugged in but uh, I mean I it's a great I mean it's an amazing place to kind of soak everything up and but I kind of I'm always very aware of never losing the, uh, my Australianness mm. as well like very aware of it because it's a I, I most Australians I meet over here doing anything have that 
I don't know. It's a just just a it's a certain characteristic that I think is really unique, and I, I don't know what it is, but I, I do know it when I when I see mm. it, and I think it's more being able to kind of walk into rooms and just go for it, mm. and not 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 kind of get caught up in I don't know just just the how things are done or whatever. It's like just go in and, and kind of do it. Do your own thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I'm interested. You're working on more Hollywood blockbuster films now. You don't want to move to the US. Uh, I mean, I go over there and I and I, I like it there. But I mean, I, I I like living here, and I also like I like kind of being I like being close to Europe as well. And, yeah, like and it's you sort said, of, a I mean, ride to France. Yeah, and it's it's sort of I think it's where I it's just where I ended up. Yeah, I mean, another move is a big is a big deal as well. So, I mean, here's been good for me as well because just in terms of the contacts and musicians that I've, I've, you know, been really lucky to work with and the orchestras and the amazing recording studios here. They're just, you know, from Air to Abbey Road and here, it's just, it's incredible, you know. And most most films, they end up coming over here to record them anyway, so. Mm, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And Katie, I wanted to ask you, so J-pop, K-pop, C-pop, Latin music, all of those other kind of genres are just getting so, so big. I mean, Rosalia won the Grammy for the Record of the Year. I saw BTS on, they joined TikTok and it took them three and a half hours to reach a million followers. It's just absolutely massive. So I wanted to know, have you ever thought about working with someone on a song that's not in English? Yeah, I mean, I would love to. I think for me, I think it's all about just like connections with people Mm. And just collaborating with people that you get on with, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's not always about the lyrics as well. Sometimes it's about the uh, an artist or a songwriter's voice. Yeah. So they might really like the sound of your voice, and you could just do their their lyrics that is in their language. Yeah, I think so. I think it's nice to collaborate. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think mm. it's all about songs for me, or, or about moods, like little pockets of mood. Mm. And your next album's going to be a bit dark, yeah. dark moody, <laughs> very moody. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask a final question. I wanted you to tell us about the happiest accident you've ever had. Have you ever been in the studio, been in a writer's room, and you're working on something and it's a com- something ha- weird happens or a complete accident and suddenly it's just made the song? Yeah, I mean, constantly. It's like what you said before. I think a lot of the time you just do weird shit and then it sounds cool and then you sort of latch onto it Mm. I think especially for this record coming up because it's very like almost industrial I think that a lot of those like moments you capture because they're mistakes and that's kind of like it it all kind of fits into the same like color tone palette you know Mm. and are you Um, thinking of music or are you thinking of lyrics in that sense lyrics I find is less like it's more thought, so yeah. Do you know what I mean? So not you don't as really much room for accidents. Yeah, you don't really stumble on a lyric. You're, it's more about like a thought process, whereas like a sound or a chord, that's more something that you kind of like stumble upon. Yeah. For me, anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Jed, you were saying that you know f- those failures lead to really amazing moments. Mm. Is there one that you could mention and that you can think of a, a certain score, perhaps? Well, I mean, there was a certain that first. The first score, Snowtown. There was a there was a sound in there that was like a mandolin that was, and I had something on, and it was like a there was a the mic was on, but I must have like left all these like reverse. I don't know. There was something on it, <laughs> and it made this sound that ended up being a really kind of thing, a, a thing in that film. But you know, subsequently, five years later, that sound became like the sound that for for 
for when they were doing Alien Covenant, they were, they put that music over one of the scenes and that sound that I'd done was like what they were kind of going, that's the sound of it, oh. <laughs> is this kind of whatever it was. <laughs> but I mean, but it's wow. a kind of crazy. So they, that, that, like they, they would call it to me, the editor and Ridley Scott would say, say that's like, it sounds like a swinging gate kind of thing. And it's like definitely the sound of this, this thing. And like, it, and you can kind of hear it all around. And, and I remember sitting there kind of going, that's just so crazy that these sort of like a day like that, that could have been probably just sitting there in, you know, my pajamas <laughs> you know, doing something like that um, ended up, you know, becoming someone else kind of picked up on it and it led to other things. I mean, you just don't know and anything can kind of lead to anything else, but yeah. We've been so fortunate to have these writers and winners share all of their amazing knowledge with us. Please join me in thanking Jed Kurzel and Katie Dunstan. Go to apraamcos.com.au to find out more.